The great partial shutdown of 2018-2019 may be over for now, but federal employees and contractors are still roiling a little bit. Even companies that were mostly insulated from the shutdown felt reverberations. SAIC, for example, a company that works mostly in defense contracts, provides a case in point. We get more now from Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni. And tell us what the effect on a company like SAIC exactly was, Scott. Right. Well, you have to remember uh, any defense company, they obviously didn't uh, have to deal with the shutdown because the defense department's funded all through 2019. But SAIC, which has about 30 percent of its contracts or a little bit more than 30 percent in the civilian world, well, they are $100 million behind in their bills because of this shutdown. And that's from contracts from things like uh, the FAA, from the USDA, NASA. They're mostly a IT company, so that's what they were uh, mostly doing. But the way that this affected the Defense Department was really interesting. So the CEO, Tony Morocco, and what he said was that he can only spend a dollar once, right? So most of their money went into helping the labor stay in the business. So they didn't want to have to lose their talent or lay people off or furlough people. So he took that dollar that he was going to be using for, let's say, investing in defense funds in a time when when the defense department wants companies to start investing in innovation, to start doing their own sort of research. He couldn't take that money and do that uh, for DOD and instead had to pay his workers. So it was a, a diversion of resources that they would have originally not done before. So they kept their employees who were on the civilian contracts paid they did. And they took it out of investment they were going to make on behalf of the Defense Department? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, it's not exactly like he the, the money was colored and he just took it out of uh, there and from the Defense Department and put it right into what you would expect, you know, right into to payroll. But, you know, they did have more than a thousand uh, employees that were affected by the shutdown. That's five percent of their workforce. And they wanted to keep them on the the payroll because of the talent issue. I mean, talent is very important, especially in the IT world where the demand is extremely high. And they saw it as an investment of keeping their workforce there since everything is so uh, so heated at this point. And so what they did was they had administrative leave that they had people take. They also had people take vacation time if they could. And then they had people charge things to the, an SAIC account, which they could sort of pay back later. But uh, it was uh, a pretty big effect on SAIC. And what are they saying now? Are they going to be able to recover any of the money that they provided for services that they might have kept going? Under the shutdown? Yeah, so they're pretty sure that the revenues are going to bounce back. And that's not really the main concern. His main concern at the time when the shutdown was actually happening was cash flow. You only had a certain amount of cash that you could use for payroll and different things like that. And and the cash flow was starting to dry up a bit. And But, you know, he wasn't worried that revenues would come back. They're on contract for a lot of different things and they would, would get that money. I think one of the bigger issues that they were worried about was while they were losing $10 million a week, which is a huge number uh, to begin with, they were a large company in scale that could handle that blow, but a lot of their subcontractors were not that lucky, and those were the ones that really hit hard. And uh, you know, they had people that were being furloughed. The, the subcontractors, they and and SAIC was trying to pay their bills to subcontractors on time as quickly as they could because they understood 
that they were responsible for these people's paychecks, though still some did get furloughed and, uh, you know, but there were no layoffs that we were aware of. So that's a a good thing in that that side of things. We're speaking with Federal News Network, Scott Mossione. Yes, because that's a concern to the government also, because subcontracting helps them fill their small business goals. Besides of the business issue of you want your suppliers to be treated fairly and paid on time because you want them to remain federal contractors. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I mean, subcontractors, they can't take a, a loss of a million dollars. I mean, that's something that's completely busts their whole company. So that's that's another thing that they really had to worry about a lot. When it came to other defense companies, though, um, the Lockheed Martin, Boeing's, the, the huge ones that uh, are extremely in the defense side of things, they didn't feel it as much, but they had a lot of concerns. Lockheed said they hadn't really reported any any issues with the shutdown. Boeing said they weren't seeing significant effects, but the shutdown you know, had some possible long-term effects. It was going to affect their uh, their rockets and, and the um, civilian side of the, the airplane uh, procurement, things like that. Uh, for them, they probably didn't really see much happening. But, you know, with, when it comes to subcontractors and things, that was something that was also on their mind. Well, for Boeing, after the airlines and after the DOD, there's not really much left. Exactly. But, you know, it once again kind of goes back to that point that, you know, if you have a million dollars that you were going to put into something that was going to the Defense Department, it's not going to be doing that anymore. It's going into payroll and you're not going to be spending the money on innovation that DOD is hoping you would, which makes you less competitive to other companies. And uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up about SAIC was uh, they were really feeling this pinch because their fiscal year ended at the end of January. So it's ending here in a couple of days. So they were going to have to report to their stockholders this kind of big dip in uh, in revenues at the end of the year, while uh, their other companies had a full calendar year to kind of make up that deficit. And while we have you, Scott, let's switch gears totally for a minute. There's a couple of military service members' personnel issues that people need to know about now that we're normally into the new year here. Right. And something on the tax front for military service members. What's going on there? Yeah, well, people don't like to, to hear it, but tax season is on its way. And uh, there's a lot of new tax benefits and some uh, different ways you're going to have to be paying your taxes if you're a military service member. One of the biggest ones, this is actually for military spouses. So as you know, military service members, they can keep their uh, their residency, their legal residency. So if you were born in Maryland and you go and serve at Fort Bragg, you can still keep your residency in Maryland. It's no big deal. You pay taxes there. When it comes to your spouse, they can't do that, and they have to change their residency a lot. It's a real pain in the neck. So now spouses can keep their residency with their service member, and this allows service members to possibly save some money. Uh, maybe not if you're staying in Maryland, but if you live in Delaware, you know you don't have any income tax there. So it'll save some money for state income tax for uh, for service members. Something that they're hoping will be helpful for spouses and for service members themselves. You know, spouses have a tough time with the amount that they are moving around in the first place and keeping jobs. Jobs, considering the amount that they move, the sacrifice they, they take. So uh, this is what Congress is hoping will uh, give them a little tax break. So the lesson is then if you're going to join the military and you have the means to do so, establish residency in Delaware right. and then join. Yeah, Delaware, Florida, there's there's a handful of uh, non-income tax states where you can uh, make a little bit of a profit compared to where you would uh, in, in uh, you know some other states. Plus, military service members are getting a raise this year, too. Right. 2.6%. Uh, they're getting a raise. And and also, you know, like I said, that there's some 
areas where they might have to pay more as well. That's where going to be reservists. They may have to pay. This comes with the uh, the tax cut bill. Pay it, more in taxes, you mean? Right. Pay more in taxes. Well, they're, they're sort of losing a benefit. And uh, the itemized taxes are not as itemized anymore because of the, the, the tax cuts. And so previously, they could write off anything that was less than 100 miles if they were, let's say, driving to training or driving to do a drill, something like that. Now they can't do that so much. So it's only if you drive more than 100 miles. So not going to be a substantial amount of money that they used to be able to write off, but they can. But, you know, that adds up if you're doing it every two weeks. You're driving, you know, 90 miles somewhere. It's a lot of gas money, especially if a big truck or something. I guess the lesson is that if you're in the military, this is, might be a good year to get some professional tax advice if you haven't used it because of all these changes. Yes, and it's also really important to remember that there's the VITA program and also Military One Source. They're two free tax services for the military through DOD, and uh, they're always there to help. Federal News Network Scott Massioni, thanks so much. Thank you. Be sure to check out his stories at federalnewsnetwork.com.